sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Have you ever tried to have an important conversation with another adult when there were kids around? I don't know if everybody here has had this experience, but let me tell you, it's a little bit frustrating. You start, you say, hey, did you hear about, and then all of a sudden a kid will say, hey, watch this, or can I have a snack, or what does that word mean? <laughs> I don't want to explain what all the words I'm using mean, but I find myself in my prayer life being like that sometimes, except my own brain is the little kid that can't stop interrupting and taking me off topic. But prayer is so important. We're starting a, a series right now that's going to go until Lent on prayer called Let's Pray. And I want to assure you that I am not coming at this series as the expert on prayer that's going to tell you how to pray. That ain't me. I am someone who struggles to pray. And I assume that maybe there's some other folks out here that might struggle to pray too. And so we're going to struggle together to see how we can strengthen our prayer lives. Because I think that God has important things that he wants our church to be doing in the coming year. I think he wants us to to mobilize and to do some tremendous work for his kingdom in the coming year. But that work is not going to be done as a church or as individuals apart from prayer. Man, Richard Foster has this great passage in the celebration of discipline. Um, and it's, it's something that I come back to time and time again when it comes to the topic of prayer. He says, all who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. For those explorers in the frontiers of faith, prayer has, is no little habit tacked onto the periphery of their lives. It was their lives. It was the most serious work of their most productive years. It's not just a habit that they do when they get around to it. It was the prayer was the most serious work of their most productive years. And so I, I think if we want God to do something great for us without prayer, we're fooling ourselves. So God's calling us to pray, to get serious about prayer and to, to pray like we've never prayed before. But there's this little problem, at least for me. There are barriers to it. I can come out prayer with every good intention in the world, but when I sit down to do it, for some reason, prayer just doesn't come easy. And it doesn't do us any good to try and ignore these barriers or deny these barriers or pretend like praying is just this simple thing that we get to all the time. So Today, I want us to try to expose the barriers that stand between us and a great prayer life and see what we can do so that we can overcome 
these obstacles to prayer. So the first step, I believe, in, in unlocking a great prayer life is to overcome the barriers. And I think the barriers really generally fall into three categories. Okay? The first category is the category of distraction. Barriers of distraction. Now, most people in modern life carry around a little distraction with us at all times. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be in the middle of prayer and hear those little of a text message. And I think, well, I really should check that because it might be an emergency. Maybe someone's in the hospital. Maybe the kids are having a problem. And then I get pulled right out of what I'm doing. And it turns out it's just some politician wanting me to, you know, it's like, oh, that, was, that, whole, that whole rigmarole I went through, I could have just stayed praying and gotten back to that later. So phones, I think, are a huge distraction to prayer in modern life. I addressed this earlier. Sometimes my kids can be a distraction. Sometimes I'm just trying to pray and my kids are inventing new ways to keep me from praying. Sometimes my own brain is a distraction. I don't know if you've ever been praying and then just some random thought will just shoot into your head about some grocery thing that you need to pick up later or some, boy, I really should work on the yard, huh? Where did that come from? I don't know, but it's distracting me from the work of prayer. Sometimes there are true urgent matters that I need to get to that keep me away from prayer. Sometimes my TV is just on, and that noise is what keeps me from turning to God and praying. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you've got these barriers of distraction in your lives, and it's like uh, our modern world is, is invented so that we never have a moment's peace, so that we never have a moment without somebody talking in our brains and in our ears. And even if we manage to get all of that silenced, our brains just keep it going. There's barriers of distraction. I think that's a huge one for modern audiences. The second one I think we have are barriers of environment. Maybe we are inwardly not distracted, but we are just in places where we can't get alone to pray. We're too busy. Our schedules are packed. We don't even have the 10 minutes it would take for us to step away from all the stuff we have to do to connect with God. Maybe it's physically too noisy where we are. Like, I don't have anything on to distract me, but there's tons of noise around my house or around my workplace, and I just can't shut that noise off. That's in our, it's in my environment. Or maybe the environment is in our own minds. Maybe you're dealing with depression or anxiety or ADHD or some brain chemical imbalance that is just the environment that your head is in. And even if you get everything on the outside right, the inside of your brain just won't let you slow down. Get these barriers of environment where... Even, even if we can filter out the distractions, there's just this ongoing noise that, that keeps us from getting right with God. I think the third barrier that we can find are our barriers of doubt. Maybe you've prayed so hard for something in the past and that prayer 
in your mind went unanswered? What's the use of praying this time if the last time it didn't work out the way I wanted? Right? Those barriers of doubt creep up. Or maybe you pray and you just feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and, and it's hard for you to believe that there's anybody out there listening to the prayers that you're putting out. Maybe you believe that God would listen, but you just feel like you're doing it wrong. Maybe I don't know how to pray. Maybe I, I doubt that I have the ability to, to pray in the right way that God would hear. Maybe there's some kind of formal process to prayer that I just don't know about or I'm not getting. Maybe if I was doing it right, it would be working better. Or maybe no amount of prayer that I pray is going to matter in the long run. You get those doubts and those doubts creep in and, and they make a big difference. It's hard to devote yourself to prayer when you're not sure that it's going to make a difference in any way. Or that God's really going to listen. So how do we deal with all these barriers? There's a lot of, there's a lot of them. I, I'm, I'm sure this is not an exhaustive list of barriers. There are probably other barriers that you've come up against when you try to pray. There are probably other categories of barriers that I haven't even thought about yet. But is there something we can do to overcome them? And get to a prayer life that's really going to matter. There's a scripture I want us to look at this morning that, that deals with some of these issues. But I think it gives us a start. Gives us a thread that we can pull. And if we keep pulling on that thread, then we can get to a prayer life that is going to matter. We're in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Here's what it said. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves and that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is a parable about humility. And Jesus is teaching his people that it's better to pray a prayer in humility than to try and impress God with, with all your wonderful prayers. But I believe that the actual prayer that this tax collector prayed is a powerful way to break through all of these obstacles we've been talking about. In the Eastern Orthodox Church, they call this particular prayer the Jesus Prayer. That's what it's called, the Jesus prayer. And it's traditionally, they kind of pray it like a mantra over and over and over again. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, I don't think we need to go around chanting this prayer or, or make it a mantra or anything. But I do think that keeping this prayer, this exact prayer, at the forefront of our minds can do absolute wonders for our prayer lives. 
if you think about the, the, the obstacles to prayer, like a dam that's holding back a, a prayer life, this prayer can be the crack in that dam that will break it open and let the waters flow again. Think about what it does. It rightly names who Jesus is. So, Jesus Christ, Son of God, how high and mighty he is. And it rightly names me for who I am, a sinner. And it asks God for mercy. Which is something that I already know Jesus wants to give me. So we're telling the truth about God, we're telling the truth about ourselves, and we're asking for something we can be certain we're going to get. And it just blasts through the barriers. This prayer can blast through the barriers of distraction because it's so short. If you're too distracted to make it through that one sentence, then you've got a real problem. But if you can just pray this one prayer, you're connecting with God, you're telling the truth, and you're asking for mercy. It's something you can pray anytime, any prayer, no matter what else is going on. And, and it, it really puts our priorities into shape. Man, whatever's going on with my kids, whatever's going on with my phone, it can wait for the 10 seconds that it takes me to say this prayer to God. And then you're just you're acknowledging your place next to God. You're recognizing your need for mercy, and, and it makes prayer a priority because you become awake to the reality that that prayer is as necessary as your next breath. It helps us to work on our priorities in the moment of distraction. The Jesus prayer helps us with barriers of environment. Because you don't have to get alone in a prayer closet to pray this prayer. It's something you can pray in the midst of chaotic life around you. You can pray this prayer at work. Easy. You can pray this prayer in front of kids. Easy. It's short. You can pray yourself to sleep with this prayer if you repeat it a few times. And then once you can manage to mean it, it can kill any ideas you have of reliance on yourself. You can pray this prayer if you're depressed. You can pray this prayer if your brain is all over the place. It's something you can pray when everything is chaotic. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It can help with barriers of doubt. Like I said earlier, it's a prayer that we know God will answer. He is full of mercy. If we can start trusting him to give us mercy in these little moments, then we can take that step further to praying for bigger things. It, it's, it places us in a place of humility. And we know that God will listen when we come with a posture of humility. And there's no long process or great formality about it. There's nothing you have to learn or get right about it. You just pray it to God. And this prayer, I believe, breaks barriers because the heart of God toward you is mercy. It's great, and not because we are beating ourselves up for what terrible sinners we are, but because we're receiving mercy from God. And God is champing at the bit to give mercy to you and me.
He loves giving mercy. It's returning to the well of mercy over and over and over again throughout our day because we trust that our good father is waiting at the edge of the property like in the story of the prodigal son to open arms, to throw a cloak around us and throw us a party. That's the barrier-breaking beauty of this prayer. It opens us up to receiving a God who is standing, waiting to lavish his mercy upon us. There's this really lovely prayer in A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. And I think it expounds upon the themes of the Jesus prayer. I mean, it kind of takes the Jesus prayer and, and builds on it a little bit. And it's the kind of thing that I think once we kind of break through these barriers a little bit, once we, once we get that water pumping a little bit of our prayer life, we can start to grow from that Jesus prayer and pray stuff like this. He says, Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I'm painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee, so that I might know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me the grace to rise and follow thee up from the misty lowland where I've wandered for so long. In Jesus' name, amen. I love that prayer. And I want to get to a place where I'm writing prayers like that all the time. But I'm not there yet. <laughs> Dom John Chaplin said, pray as you can, not as you can't. And sometimes the prayer that I can manage is a simple one. Like Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Jesus prayer is such a good start because if I can quiet my mind just long enough to say this prayer and actually mean it, then I've been opened up to God. And then God can start to speak into me the things that he wants to say to me. And I can start expressing to him what I want to say to him. It gives me an opportunity <coughs> excuse me, to open myself up to God's mercy. To know that my prayer life does not depend on me being right or me being eloquent, or me being anything. It just depends on God to show up and give me mercy. We're not trying to impress God with our prayers. Just show up. And if you need to memorize a short little prayer that you can say at any time of the day to show God that you're showing up for him, then that's great. I don't think this Jesus prayer should be the end of our prayer life. I don't think it should be the only prayer we ever say. But doggone, it's a fantastic beginning. If all we ever said for the rest of our lives is this prayer, then our prayer life would need to grow from there. But it's a heck of a lot better than nothing, y'all. I believe that once we begin to break down the dam of our distractions and doubt, the floodgates will open. And our prayer lives can grow and we begin, begin to develop the kind of prayer life that will honor God and truly change us. So if we're going to start to get serious about prayer in 2023, we've got to start somewhere. 
And I think this Jesus prayer is the perfect place for it. In your bulletin, I've given you a, um, a take-home sheet. This take-home sheet has a couple of things that you can reflect on throughout the week. But it's also got a little uh, section, a little line down at the bottom. And the Jesus prayer is printed in really big type there. I want to invite you to take that home with you, to cut out on that line, and just tape this prayer up somewhere that you'll see it. Maybe on your bathroom mirror, maybe um, on your fridge. Get the Jesus prayer out in front of you to remind you that you can break the barriers that are between you and a, and a wonderful prayer life by starting simple, by starting small, and by showing up for God with this prayer. Commit yourself to showing up in prayer and start by doing simple. And I think when you do that, God is going to honor it. I think God will open up the floodgates of prayer to you, blast the barriers away, and get you started on a year in a prayer life unlike what you've experienced before. If we can just start small and start simple. So I want us to say it together. Look on the bottom of your take-home sheet. And let's start by reciting this prayer together. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, Jesus, we stand in constant need of your mercy. We know that you are great and good and we are low and sinful. But God, because of your great mercy, you have reconciled us to yourself. So God, I pray that you will invigorate our prayer lives. Break those barriers down. Give us a commitment to blasting through all of those things that take us away from prayer so that we can focus on you. God, this is just the beginning, but we got to start somewhere. So, God, I pray that you will bless this prayer for our congregation. Give, make us a people who constantly show up for you. And then you do that work that only you can do in our hearts after that. Give us mercy, God. In your name I pray. Amen.